And we just all wanted to be accountable to each other. I'm coming off that 2020 season. I mean, I think it showed 2021. I mean, we're all together. We had one of the best red zone defenses in the country. So, I mean, when your back's against the wall, who can you count on the most? And that's your brothers to the left and right of you. So I think we really embodied that. Logan, we are not going to go one week without talking about the NFL because you know what? Mm. The combine is next week and we got to talk about it. 24-7, 365. It's like, it's like they intended it that way. Well, that's funny. <laughs> they give you no breaks. <laughs> you go straight from the combine to, or no, the Super Bowl to yeah. the combine to the pro days. Yes. Then the actual draft, yeah. which is two months away. Well, and you also have to think about it. The teams that are out of contention, in a lot of ways, they start looking at mock drafts as the season's kind of still going on, let alone in the playoffs. So in a lot of ways, for these teams that aren't in it, it is quite literally a 365. Yeah, I mean, maybe the players get a break, but those of us following the executive moves of the NFL, we get mm -hmm. no breaks. Mm -hmm. And we're okay with it. It's based off potential and hopefulness. And you know what? We're going to need it this year because um, baseball's in a lockout, so we can't talk about your favorite <laughs> oh sport. Gosh. They're not even figuring it out either. You know they, they're like $80 million apart right now. If they don't come to an agreement by Monday, yeah. they are canceling I'm regular aware. season games. Oh, man. What are we going to do? <laughs> there will only oh, be man. 150. Less than 162. Wow. All that right. definitely won't drag on. So instead, we're just going to keep talking about football that sounds forever. Good to me. That sounds good to me. The Combine starts March 1st. Do we love the Combine or hate it? I'm uh, one who watches all of it. Uh, it depends on the kind of guy you are. I, For the most part, I, and by kind of guy, I mean prospect. Yes. Uh, as a viewer, I actually kind of used to like it because uh -oh. I feel like when Rich Eisen and those guys were doing it, it was pretty entertaining because there would be some antics. But I don't think they do it in Indianapolis anymore, do they? There's this whole thing about them moving it. Like, the like NFL they, now they have to change over. the spots yeah. every year like they're yeah. trying to do with the Pro Bowl. I don't know. There was, like, maybe a minute or two in there. It's like you see, like, a physical specimen that, like, give it for a minute. But, like, overall, you're not sitting there waiting on every single guy to go. And I also don't think, like, fans of college teams are sitting there, like, Oh, he's getting ready to run the 40. I think it's the casual, not even casual, because you have to be more of a diehard, uh, to sit there and watch these random guys that you've never heard of and get their metrics. To me, it is like, it's kind of like dipping into the Olympics where you just kind of like turn it on and bit. see what's on your screen. You're yeah. like, yeah, interesting. It's Olympics-esque. That's true. For me, the combine is just odd because some of these things don't even translate at all. Like, wow, you have oh, a 42-inch vertical. That's why I would say I don't put a lot of stock in it. Um, but then you have a guy like Adolfe Owe last year that makes his living kind of because of it. Yeah, and I think a lot of college fans, like you were talking about, really focus on the pro days because then you're only seeing your guys and yeah. you see which teams really have interest because they uh -huh. show up on campus. Well, and then, of course, as we know, the pro days have turned into the uh, roll the other way, can throw it across your body 60 yards. If you can't do that, you're not going to be a top five pick as a quarterback. Well, it's a fair assessment. <laughs> the play that will never happen in a regular season game. And teams are like, wow, look at that guy. <laughs> That's that the thing. It's the, the, it's, it's the non-game situation stuff that teams lose their mind over. Yeah, it's 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 the hand size for the quarterback. And if he's right. a quarter inch too small. How, how did Joe Burrow's hand size look? <laughs> like he has small hands and he turned out pretty well, right? Well, that's debatable, <laughs> Logan. It's only been two yeah, seasons. Yeah, I know. What has he done? No, but, but I think um, the combine to me has always been fascinating because do you remember um, – back when we were children and we had game cubes yeah. i got madden i don't know why my grandma thought that i was the one who needed madden in my life but i got it madden mm -hmm. like oh seven you know and i'm sitting there oh seven who was on oh seven if you remember this i'll be shocked oh uh, six was sean alexander was it oh seven it might have been sean alexander madden oh seven color yeah boom wow i love those madden okay well that's the one i have it's i stopped buying maddens probably like oh eight uh, no, Madden got irrelevant probably after like 13 or 14. Okay, well. And then they start throwing two people on the cover. And it, the game's also just very confusing now. Well, so for. It wasn't then. <laughs> okay, well, for me, it still was. Okay. Because I just wasn't, I wasn't a video gamer. You know, I played mm. Sonic where you collected the rings and then Debatably Madden. Debatably a better game. Well, you know. Uh, so Actually, not even debatable. I think Shiner would agree with that one. Sonic, Shiner. Sonic for the win. It's a classic. 1,000%. That's not even a sound effect. That's, 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 that's the real sound from the game. It really is. <laughs> Amazing, played, we got it. Played by Shiner. Um, no, I played that. I played Madden, and then we got a Wii, and then it was all over for all of those games. Don't oh, get me started. It's amazing more people didn't get hurt with Wiis. 
Like we're out there just moving arms and like absolutely just being reckless. Can we also talk about the fact that you like there was a board that you could stand on and if you <laughs> remember my little brother stood on it at like four okay. and it was like you're too heavy and I was like what wow what game is this we it was like the <laughs> when you're making your wee person it was telling a four year old he was too heavy and I, it would be like ouch when you would step on Who it. Who designed this game Jigsaw? That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty cruel. Like, that's really messed up. <laughs> that is that is um, this is the brutal. reason why our generation is is a disaster. Video game. How, Okay, back to my point. Sure. I played Madden, but I was so confused by actually playing games on it that I just did the drills. Those were fun too. No, they were so much fun, and I was really good at them. And then we yeah. would translate into playing actual Madden, and I like wouldn't have any idea what was going on. Mm. Like sixth grade, Allie really didn't. It's like playing attention. 500 as a kid, and that being better than like seven on seven. Mm. Yes, is that the? Uh, <laughs> they should do that. The combine five hundred. Is that the jackpot <laughs> game where they, you throw yeah, it up? Yeah, of course. And, you're like, and then people, it's amazing. More kids didn't have torn ACLs because they're just within That's like really space. Good. Yeah, you're falling a, on each other. Do you play it in a pool? It's so much fun in a pool. It's less hazardous. No, we played it in on concrete. In cul-de-sacs, in the yeah. most, in yeah, the worst yeah. conditions okay, possible. Okay, well, that's good. Well, uh, anyway, so my fascination with the combine to go way back sure. starts with the fact that I only played drills on Madden. So I was mm -hmm. watching the combine like <laughs> I did that drill. Translates. I did that one too. Yeah, and you killed it. I was really good. <laughs> Let me be at the combine. Yeah, no, and there's some guys that yeah. could have success there too. I'm uh, sure Penn State guys feel the same. Exactly, eight of them going into the combine uh, out of 324 prospects. I feel like that's pretty good. Well, I think we've also talked about this for since honestly the Wisconsin game since mm. the first game of the year um, is the fact that I think this draft class has the chance to be. We will look back on five in five years and be like they were a lot better at Penn State than we even realized. Just individual prospect wise, going you, along with this, especially you, defensively. You and I have talked about that a lot. Like we, I remember, like two games in, we were like, "Wow, Jesse Lucchetta is the best player on that defense." Four <laughs> games sharing in, titles. Jaquan Brisker. Oh my <laughs> gosh, my yeah. gosh! And then uh, Arnold Debicady by the end, like mm -hmm. it was like, "Wow, you're undeniable." And it, that's not. I, I feel like that's less about us and more about them. I agree. Yeah. They just and it wasn't that any of the other guys fell off. It was just no. someone had a spectacular performance, mm -hmm. and you were like, "Wow, the defense can't be what it is without that guy." So, in mm -hmm. um, each win, each win, kind of a different defensive player was the headliner that they had this year. A different performance. Like, yeah. I mean, they won games in so many different ways this season. I feel like in the games that they did win, mm -hmm. um, I mean, they were tested. They were given everything they could handle against Wisconsin. You know, true. they were on the, what was it? They were on the well, field you remember for like the, I mean, the first, minutes. the first month, they were probably about as good as anybody in the nation defensively. Obviously things changed a little bit towards the end of the year, but I would not, not necessarily say because of the same individual talent that's about to be in the combine, they were all pretty steady and gave you the same pr productivity throughout the course of the year. All right. So those eight guys going, you ready? Sure. Jaquan Brisker, yeah. Tariq Castro-Fields, Jahan Dotson, Arnold Ebicady, Jesse Lucchetta, Brandon Smith, Jordan Stout, Rashid Walker, all names that we talked about a lot this season mm -hmm. with a lot on the line. Let's go kind of for a couple of them. Obviously, with eight guys, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where everyone's going to be. Yeah. But let's start with a guy like Jaquan Brisker and the season that he had and mm -hmm. the impact he made on that defense. It felt like when you needed a clutch play... It was always Shaquan well. Brisker. He was always he was also always the guy that when he was out of the game, whether it be momentarily, his because he had a lot of oh, those shoulder yeah, stuff. Yeah. His presence was always felt the most. And sometimes it's when you're out, when you don't have the guy in there, that's when you actually see their attributes more than when they actually are in there. And it's funny because he reminds me a lot of like Sean Taylor skill set wise, mm. where it's kind of like a throwback safety in the sense that he'll still hit and then also have a ball hawk sort of mentality and coverage aspect to it too. I think he has the chance to maybe be the best one out of anybody just because he is such a tough guy, and I think he will. He's very much today's sort of safety grinded out type of mold, um, and nothing against some of these other guys, but you see how maybe an injury here or there can take them out. And Brisker, I mean, it could be viewed as a positive or negative that he played through so many injuries over the course of the year, but for the most part, I think that's something that plays in his favor. I think he's a tough guy, 6'1", 200, uh, definitely played in some key moments. Mm -hmm. Playing through injuries, I think, to show that you can do it, every guy's playing injured in the NFL at yeah. a certain point after 17 regular season games. Oh, so after two or three. It's yeah. one or two car accidents in the first game. Yeah. And, um, but I think it's such a long time from the end of uh, college regular season to the start of your rookie year, like mm -hmm. actually playing, that you basically get like nine, basically nine months to really recover. Mm -hmm. A lot changes in those nine months. You yeah. start paying for some extra treatments and things like that. That's true. So I think uh, his upside's huge. Mm -hmm. 
like we were talking about before we came on here, though, huge secondary draft. It feels like there's... That's going to be the thing that's not in his favor. Or, you know, is it? If if more guys are being taken, does it, you know, the same way that it turns into quarterback crazy because guys are flying off the board and everybody just wants to get one, does it turn into that kind of draft where, you know, cornerbacks, DBs are, are going off the boards and safeties, so teams are like, we got to snatch whoever's there because we'll be in fear that we don't get one eventually. So it kind of plays out how the other teams do it. But my initial assessment that it would be like second round for him. Second round? I'm thinking second. I wanted to give him a first round title, but I'm not sure. What kind of team do you like for him? What, 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 where, Ooh, where you know, would he you fit know, well? You know who would be a good fit for him. Mm-hmm. And based off a lot of injuries that they had would be the Ravens. Okay. I think that that's sort of the mold that he, he plays. He's their, their mold. And I'm totally cheating because I'm looking at. I'm sure you are. I get one thousand percent. Why else would I've, you say that? I put you on the spot, and then I look at the, I also, the mock drafts. I, the, the mock drafts to me are a little it's bit early. pointless because you know so much is going to change. And also, like, what's the point in me saying exactly where they're going to go? I can give you a range, but being confident that yeah. he's a day one guy, I think day one guys have turned into. And I think going back to Odafe has kind of changed that. I think the physical specimens have taken over the first round, and nothing against Jaquan. I think he's a great player. I don't know if physical specimen is a title that I'd give him. I think that's, and that's where you do separate yourself in the combine yeah. and the pro day. If he shows up and runs a 4-2, people are going to look at him a little differently. I'm sure he'll have a good pro day but in combine, but like, is he going to be some of these other guys whose stock then rises True. solely because, who is this guy that comes out of left field, out of, you know, Northwest Ohio State University, like something like that? I think maybe a defensive end, you're looking for more raw physicality, yeah. so like their numbers matter a little bit more. Right now, Pro Football Network has him going 51-2, the Philadelphia Eagles. So you're right on right on there in the second round. The Eagles. That would be helpful. How about that? Get him playing with Slay there. Maybe All right. Steven Nelson, if they can hold on to him. Top, top prospect people are paying attention to. Probably out of Penn State. John Dotson. Out of all those guys? Yeah, out of out of I wouldn't the say eight. him, but I mean obviously he's as had about as good of a year statistically as anybody. Not a Bletnikoff finalist. Mm. Still mad about it. I think people underestimate his size. I think his size really plays into it. He is. I mean, is. he can have, did he have three or four touchdowns against Maryland? People didn't really care. Yeah. Not I, here. I'm saying nationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, here, it's all right. <laughs> no, I would say people cared here. Um, No, I think he, it's the size thing that hurts him. I think that hurts a lot of players that come out of Penn State. They're not it's a true. huge team. None mm-hmm. of their receivers are, are really like blow you away six, four kind of guys. Yeah. Um, and yet it works. None of their quarterbacks are that big. I mean, they just, they draft a smaller, or uh, they draft. They recruit, More compact. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're so talented. It's not sure. spread out amongst the taller player. It's like a compact player. Yeah. I hate Let's talking go with about that. that utility <laughs> stuff. Um, but I think Jahan Dotson someone that people are kind of highlighting. Like, that's probably one of their best chances to, mm. to get a first-round guy. Yeah. Um, I, I think and any team takes a flyer on a wide receiver mid to late first round. I don't know if that's take a flyer. That's a lot of faith in a guy. You think so? In the first round for a receiver? For yes. a receiver? Because you can find these guys in the third and fourth round. I mean, what was it wasn't AJ Brown like the Titans? I think he was like a third round pick. Like there are guys that are like you can get pretty productive players in different rounds. I think Hunter Renfro, I mean, I not that they're that similar, but with Las Vegas, I think he was maybe a fourth round pick and he had a great college career. Overall, though, don't you? And he was a smaller guy too. Don't you kind of feel like this draft is shaping up to be somewhat of like a weak field in the sense where there isn't a dominant group of quarterbacks? There isn't. I think the quarterback thing is why we're saying that, though. That dictates a lot of it. So you think there's other positions? Like if this was, if there were three or four guys that were like elite at quarterback, like last year, I think people like last year's class. They were saying like, look at all these quarterbacks. This might be one of the best drafts of all time, solely because of this. So because there's not quarterbacks, are people going to go to the opposite take? That's what it feels like, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, if, if there isn't one position really dominant, then it's a weak draft. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the NFL well, and, is. And, and in Jahan's case, I think that, and we talked about this last week, that I think teams might convince themselves out of it. They're like, I really like this guy, but when push comes to shove, making the selection, do you fill it out? Because going back to that, especially in the first round of all things, I think you convince yourself more into a guy like that on day two God forbid even day three. But I think day two is more of that thing. Day one are the surefires. The only guys you take risks on are maybe some injury guys who you know were productive in their time there. Um, 
but you're still going to give him a shot. Yeah, right now he is. That's just how teams view it. That's oh, not I, how, you yeah. know, we're speaking from the GM lens. Heart-wise, we want him to go in the first round. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. Good interview. It meant too. a lot. Yeah, great interview. Um, right now, ESPN's Todd McShay has him 30 to the Chiefs, but at that 32. Oh, man, the Chiefs need more receivers. <laughs> the, draft, just, the draft I mean, maybe they, they, could lo- the they could lose some guys. Lines would make actually a lot more sense. <laughs> maybe the Chiefs will lose guys here in the coming years, but. He also doesn't have character problems, so I don't know why that would be a fit there in Kansas City. What are they doing? That's shade. That's <laughs> some shade. Yeah, well-deserved. No, you know, they're trying to up. It's like when you bring a guy on your team to up your GPA. Like, they're trying to up their character <laughs> by are, bringing yes. in, like, good guy John Maybe Dotson. they are. Maybe they're, they're flipping the narrative. Yeah, well. Um. So, anyways, I but I think you're right. Where he's already being projected, like, very late in the first round. People had him at, like, 15 towards halfway through the year when he was really lighting it up. Number one receiver prospect, I believe, at one point. No love. Yeah, er, early on, uh, Mel Kuyper, I believe, I mean, Kuiper. we're talking the Auburn game, said he was the yeah. number one wide receiver prospect. Yeah. Now, that was also when they were in the conversation of being a top 10 team. So, you know, that fell off a little in the later. Mm. Who was the best defensive player at the end of the year? We're going to go that person next. All right, Arnold Ebicati. I think he's going to be the one that has probably the most significant NFL career, going back to just the physical intangibles. I think this is what we're talking about. If he can separate himself in the pro day like Adolfe and Micah did for that matter, but Adolfe in particular, no one really gave him much respect coming out of college because he had that zero sack 2020 season and Mm -hmm. everyone was like, how can you be a defensive end without any sacks? And then you realize that defense just wasn't what it was supposed to be, but then he runs a 4-2, I believe it was, at 6-6-2 something, 40, 240 almost. And all of a sudden the Ravens are like, oh, okay, wait a second. This guy is just mm-hmm. a freak. Um, Arnold Evicati could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying his stats will be the same, but if he really separates himself at the pro day at the combine, um, I think right now they have him mid-second round, early second round. Well, look, and you can also say when you have edge rushers, you can see their impact on a game more clearly than a guy who's a safety for the most part. Like, everybody goes to the pro football focus numbers when they're looking at secondaries for how well they played. Like, for the very little in the moment, unless you're watching the All-22 film, are you saying, wow, this guy's really changing the game? Unless he's like a Sherman, Revis, where they're just not getting any targets the entire course of the game. It's easier. Like, we, we were able to pinpoint... Micah Parsons' impact because of the pressures, sacks, yeah, all of those things. So as an edge rusher, you have the chance to be more noticed um, on a platform like that. So I think when you have a guy who he because in a lot of games and against good competition, like even specifically the Michigan game, when he went up against good competition, he was at its best, at his best. So that's what translates usually to the league. Yeah, maybe like rise to the occasion kind of moment, right? Like Yeah, well, also just more snaps. Yeah. That's what it yeah. also came down to. Like we have a small sample size, but in that sample size, he was as good as anybody. Yeah, I think he's definitely someone with the most upside. And like you said, the way the NFL game is, quarterback hits is like the most important stat. It is. I mean, you right look now. at the teams that or win. Pressures. Th- yeah, look at the teams that have won the last two Super Bowls. I know the quarterbacks too, yeah. but like the teams that were able to get pressure, given Cincinnati's O line wasn't great. The teams that got pressure in the game won the game. Yeah, and yeah. they took down pretty good offenses in the process. And all centers around the quarterback and getting after the quarterback. It does. That's yeah. today's league. I, I like cornerback is probably you'd say the top three positions that you need in order to win are a quarterback, and then second would be cornerback. But right behind there would be getting a pass rush, mm. and that can be done in a variety of ways where you're moving Aaron Donald around or you get an elite pass rusher off the edge or what you know whatever Mike is going to turn into whatever the Cowboys <laughs> design hybrid. him in to be but those those three things and then there's a steep drop off of what would be the fourth most important thing to a franchise. Yeah. I think that's a good point and I think Ebicady I feel like he's kind of like an Adolfe in the sense where we're just scratching the surface of his potential. It's very similar. Jesse Lucetta. We loved him. He's my favorite. Oh. He is because I think he's the most versatile. Okay, what do you like about him? Because I feel like there were times where on the stat sheet he disappeared this yes. season, and yet he was still making some crucial plays that impacted the end of the game. That's something that a team that's going to go after Luketa is going to have to really dig into who he is to really see his impact. I also think it's another example of a guy, and you rarely say this about guys who played in the Senior Bowl, because I think so many of the prospects have been relatively up and coming and then dipped out and forego their senior season and whatnot. Um Luketa kind of just stayed in his own and stayed in his lane throughout most of his Penn State career and was rewarded with more opportunity and then made the most of those things. Very much similar to what college players did a decade, two decades ago. And now it's just transfer portal central. 
hit up a different place. And I think Jesse got to learn actually from the guys, like being Micah's best friend and like hanging out, like getting those perspectives helped a lot with it. So he took a pretty untraditional path in today's day and age to be where he is. And I think that knowledge will then help him because I think he's a very smart, very intelligent, high IQ football player. Which is, and, and not to take away anything from some of the Penn State prospects in the past, but being physical specimens, that gets you noticed immediately. And even in the Senior Bowl, his impact was evident on plays where he's not just shoving like linemen back, he's reading the plays and making the most of it too. And that goes back to not being always noticed in a play. He's the guy that's disrupting a play in the backfield. Next guy forces the fumble. Whole play is shot up in the, in the backfield in general. He doesn't get any stat for it. But the ones who watch the plays and go over the team know the impact that he's made. Yeah, he's and always, the coaches know it. Of course. And he's always the first one in a play, like you're saying. He like, is. He's, he's always the first one. Always the point. first one. And I felt like that's what we saw with Micah in his uh, freshman season at Penn State. I, I remember like watching him in highlights and being like, he's always the first one there. Yeah. Like even if he wasn't a part of the play, he's so fast. He's like right there, you know, and he was the, the first one in, in the NFL plays too, which yes. is usually what takes the longest to translate. Right. And I think what your, your point is they are best friends. They talk all the time. Like they both said that, like they're still super close. They both have gone this like defensive line, linebacker, defensive line back mm -hmm. and forth thing in their careers, both at high school, Penn state, and now, for Micah in the NFL, for Jesse probably in the NFL too. And I think that makes you look at the game so differently. It's either the guy right in front of you or it's the guy 20 feet in front of you. Mm -hmm. But I think they see the game in a way that's that's more elite than a player who just plays one position his whole life. So I think Luketa has a lot of upside too. I just don't think he's getting as much attention as maybe we thought he was going to headed into the 2021 yeah. season. And no, he's definitely like a hybrid linebacker which is what today's teams shoot for. And that's why I was just looking up being 6'3 and almost 250. It's a little bit of a mix of, of both of those things. And that's what I think yeah. this league shoots for. It's not just, and even Micah this year, I think he got the most credit for, yeah, he switched to D-linemen and was able to create a rush or whatnot, but he held his own sometimes in some of those passing situations too. Right. Not that he's like, you know, the top in the league, but being able to, have a disposal where you can yeah. play a variety of different coverages and not just have one specific type like teams that go out there and go well we're only going to play zone today it's like you're already done for because if you have one thing and you can't adjust on the fly but if you have the personnel in order to a game changes and you have to play a different type of way you have to make sure that you have the types of player like jesse like micah like you know arnold these guys that can also play a variety of different games and win in different ways like you're getting at before Quickly, before we, we get on to our interview, Brandon Smith, also someone who mm. I think uh, tremendous athlete, tremendous potential there. He, he would be the only one, and, and falling off is not the right word, he would be the only one that I would say he kind of had lapses where we didn't notice him. Mm. And like he had, high, he had high productive, high tackle number games, especially in the early part of the year. He was one of those guys in the first month that was really good and then kind of went away for a little bit. And that's not to, to knock him or say that he's – not going to be a good pro prospect, but when you're talking about these guys that sort of elevated over the course of the year, yeah, you might notice the one that didn't necessarily stay along with that too. Yeah, yeah. But I'd still say that he's definitely in the day two consideration, probably third to fourth round. Yeah, right now they have him around pick 100, uh, also to the Ravens, just for their ability to develop defensive talent. I mean, anybody can go to the Ravens. I'd, I'd feel pretty good about their chances in the NFL, to be honest with you. As Shiner likes to say, I could go to the Ravens. Well, I, I also think that... It, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, <laughs> well we, also don't, we also don't necessarily know, and not to make this a whole Ravens thing, but Wing Martindale's out. Like, does that change the whole philosophy mm -hmm. with John Harbaugh and that team and who they pick? Because I think Wink, in a lot of ways, was looking at the guys being like, I know how to incorporate this guy into something. Yeah. And so much of guys' situations is one defensive coordinator, one assistant that sees him and pitches the coach and the GM on to take him because they know they can do well with him. So you wonder if some of these teams, that's where it leads to them falling. That one coach that says he fits really well in the system as opposed to the GM saying, I just want a guy that I think can be pretty good and we'll see where he fits in later. As opposed to the, here's the idea, I know exactly what I want to use with him. Let's do it. System against stars. I think that's sure. kind of yes. kind of where we're at. Um, speaking of a guy who's trying to make the most of this opportunity, he's out in Arizona right now with like half of the Penn State guys <laughs> going to the combine. Tariq Castro Field sat down with us. He talked about what he's looking for in his NFL career, what he thinks he brings to a team. Um, someone who's trying to kind of fight their way into a draft spot. Yeah. 
um, and, and look for an opportunity in the NFL. We know that some of those sixth, seventh round guys end up turning into great players, special mm. teams. Undrafted, too. Undrafted, exactly. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, here's our interview with Tariq Castro-Fields. When you look back at your time with the Nittany Lions, what stands out to you? Or just how special is that program? Yeah, I would just say the thing that sticks out most is just like the relationships I've built. I mean, we have a, a, a real brotherhood there. Um, we're super close. Um, and yeah, that always is going to be forever in my mind. And I mean, I'm, I'm appreciative definitely to Coach Franklin and uh, Penn State for bringing me brothers that's going to last forever. So I think that defense has got such a reputation now, right? Like, it's not just, hey, there's one good player going to the NFL. It feels like there's four or five every single year. Um, not only making a mark in the Big Ten, but then having success at the pro level. How much pride do you take in, in what's been built over the course of your career? And now looking at this year's class, just how many guys are, are hopefully going to make the NFL in a couple months? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely pride within that. Like, all the guys who came before us, they definitely give us hope while we're training, um, while we're still at school, just to keep going hard, and it is possible. So, I mean, we got eight guys going to the combine this year, so – I mean, that's a huge mark within the Big Ten and also just the country. So um, that just is a test to the work we put in with Coach Deej and uh, the rest of the staff. So Yeah, and you just got a combine invite. Uh, what is it like when you know, like, hey, I'm going to get a chance to show off for, for all the franchises, be in that building, have that competition? I got to believe that's a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we're used to competing. I mean, we're at Penn State, so I'm always competing with, uh, Brizzy with Jahan, guys like that. So, I mean, it's just a moment of reflection that all the work you put in um, has built to this moment, um, but it's still not finished. Like, you got to finish the job. Uh, yeah, it's a big couple weeks coming up. So, does that competition make you like a better player? You know, you, your spot's not guaranteed when you show up at Penn State. You got to earn it and then continue to earn it even when you're a senior. Yeah, it definitely drives you just to be the best player you could be. Um, and competition just brings the best out of you. Like, as long as you don't shy away from it, um, which no one does at Penn State. I mean, the culture that we have there, um, the situation Coach Franklin puts us in, whether it's winter workouts, whether it's camp, whether it's uh, just anything, we're always competing in the weight room and things like that. So um, you can't definitely shy away from competition. So it definitely brings everything out of you. Who are you as a player? Like, how did you develop over at college? And, and what do you think you do best? Yeah. Um, I mean, I developed a whole bunch of ways, just being more mature, um, understanding how to practice, understanding how to just function within college, because it, it is a new experience, especially when you get dropped off at 17, 18, like, um, it's definitely a, a big difference, but you just got to learn how to grow up and just handle your business. Um, I think the, the thing I pride myself most in is just my preparation um, and how I work. Like, I feel like preparation brings confidence and then it's how you work also brings confidence. So you're, you're ready to play on Saturday nights and just whenever. So, Yeah, I think um, that's kind of stood out in the couple of years that I was covering you while you were at Penn State is how much you've grown in that aspect. Like even yeah. talking to you after practices or post game, like it seems like your awareness of the game just became greater and greater as time went on. Is, is that a reps thing? Is that a maturity thing? Like where do you, where do you draw that from? Um, I think it's just many things. I mean, I had a lot of people who came before me um, that played corner and just showed me the way. Um, I mean, I was there for five years, so there's a, not, a lot of knowledge to, to be uh, to learn. So, I mean, it's, it's just time there and then also just wanting to learn. Like, it's the difference between, like, just going out there and um, you're just going through the motions. But when you actually, like, put your head down and uh, learn the playbook and just like you said, just being aware of everything and um, just wanting to grow at the same time. So, When you think about your college career, who you are as a player, I'm sure you're going to start having interviews with teams and start really talking to some of these NFL franchises. What do you want them to know about you? Like what makes you different so that these franchises want to take a chance with you? Uh, I just feel like my knowledge of the game is, is super high. Like, I mean, I could talk football in and out. Um, I have high character. Uh, I mean, I love this game. I owe it a whole lot. Like, I mean, I got free education. Um, just little things like that that the game brought me, like learning little life lessons as far as like discipline, time management. Like, I'm super appreciative to the game. And I feel like that shows in my play, um, how hard I play, how hard I go. Um, just the type of teammate I am. Like, 
I mean, I go to bat for my teammates any day, and I love my teammates a whole lot. So um, just a mix of all those. And, of course, like on the field, I feel like the film is going to show. So I don't really like – you can't – you don't really want to talk too much about um, your the on the field stuff because you do have film. But just how I am off the field um, speaks a lot. So, What did football do for you in your life, right? Like I feel like some guys, um, the game like reached them at a pivotal point where they were trying to figure out who they are as a kid and – you know, um, for some guys, like you said, like the free education part is huge, you know, yeah. a chance to go to college. For yeah. you, how did football change change your life or shape your life? Yeah, I mean, it just taught me a whole lot of lessons, like I spoke about, like just time management, um, being on time for things, um, having self-discipline to go to sleep at night, um, just little things like that that you learn so fast. And then at the same time, when you do those things, like, your game improves as well. So it's kind of like a balance. Um, you give football something and it always gives uh, something back to you as well. So um, yeah, football has done wonders in my life. So I owe it a whole lot, like I said. I feel like there's always like a twist or a turn, right? Um, we've talked to guys like Nick Scott and Grant Haley about how like, their NFL careers have kind of changed and even their college careers, it wasn't, um, nothing was guaranteed like you and I have been speaking yeah. about. Um, and they each talk about like maybe a pivotal decision um, or a time where they were like, you know what, for Nick, it was, all right, let's not play running back behind Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's switch over and see how I can contribute. Did you have that kind of moment, even if it's in high school or something like that, where you switched your mindset? Um, I would just say probably like I was dealing with a few injuries in college, like we, like everyone does. Um, so I, I, I miss games and things like that, but. Um, I mean, you have a decision to make. Either you're going to keep investing in the team or you're going to go in the dump. So I just wanted to invest in the team even more in a, in a bigger role, which was just coaching, um, just giving my support, trying to make sure that all the guys that were playing corner uh, on Saturdays were best prepared um, and just try to be a mentor to all the guys and just um, invest in any way I could and just be there for everybody. So um, I think going through them injuries definitely – uh, help me mature. Just realize, like any way you can help, like it, uh, you can provide value to a team. So, yeah, it doesn't always have to be on the field. Of course, that's yeah. how you prefer it. But there, there's other opportunities. Yeah. Um, I feel like this off season has been different uh, in the Penn State world. Obviously, I know you're training, but for the first time, we're talking about a new defensive coordinator in State College. First time in a long time. How important is Brent Fry to, to what you guys have all built and and uh, maybe to you even as a player? Yeah, I mean, Coach Pry has built like a long lasting legacy, like a certain brand of football. I mean, not only him, but everyone who dates back in the past um, when we weren't even there. So, I mean, he just continued that. Um, I mean, he helped us all grow as a person. Um, and I mean, it showed on the field, like accountability was a big word that we used in the past off season uh, in the spring. And we just all wanted to be accountable to each other. I'm um, coming off that 2020 season. I mean, I think it showed 2021. I mean, we're all together. We had uh, one of the best red zone defenses in the country. So, I mean, when your back's against the wall, who can you count on the most? And that's your brothers to the left and right of you. So I think we really embodied that this year. Yeah, I think this season was, was so interesting in so many ways, like jumping out and being a top four team ranked in the country was huge. Uh, and you guys were playing unbelievable football. And then it just felt like it was one injury after another and, and um, not for lack of effort, but there were just so many pieces missing at certain parts. As a player, like, I know you can only control yourself. You can only control what you're doing and, and try and inspire that in your teammates. But how do you go through a season like that? Is it, is it hard to kind of stay grinding it out when, when there's so much roller coaster and so much out of your control? Um, I would say not really. Um, I mean, we preach next man up mentality. And I mean, last year it showed. So, I mean, we just wanted to keep battling for each other, uh, keep fighting for each other. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, we all we got. So um, can't go out and get somebody else from another team or get somebody else off the street. Like what's in the locker room is really in the locker room. So we just want to embody that culture and just be, I mean, fighters at the end of the day, like the other team doesn't care how, how many people you got out or who's missing. Like, when the ball snaps, you got to be ready to go. So we just try to control the control, like you said, and uh, put our head down and still grind no matter uh, what the record was, no matter what the situation was. So 
gosh, I think about that game where like I think it was like 35 players had the flu and Sean Clifford was gonna go like pull a Michael Jordan and play with the flu and all that. Yeah. I mean, um y'all just like didn't know how to quit. I mean that's that's kind of impressive yeah. on some level. Yeah, ain't definitely ain't no quit like I mean Coach Franklin, like I said, he he builds a, a strong culture and like through winter workouts and spring practice and camp, like I mean you build a love for each other. So I mean, at the end of the day, like, you just want to battle and keep going and keep fighting, so. Yeah, for sure. I feel like 2020, 2021 even, like, both seasons were weird for different reasons from COVID, and um, yeah. at one point you didn't even know you were going to play, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. But um, what did you learn through that? Like, I'm assuming you missed the game, wanted it back kind of a thing, but what did you learn from, from the last two pandemic seasons? Um, probably just nothing's guaranteed. I mean, your life can – can switch like that with uh, the pandemic and things like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like really just focusing on what you can control and what you can uh, have effect on. Um, Cause if you kind of spend time thinking about other things you can't control, like it really uh, puts stress on yourself and like, and it's unneeded. So really just focusing on yourself, focusing on your teammates and putting the energy where uh, it belongs. Uh, that's what I kind of learned. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, college sports in general are kind of changing, right? Like yeah. guys got extra years of eligibility, all of those kind of things. And then you throw in, you had a couple of seasons, excuse me, without the name image likeness thing, uh, then that gets introduced. How did you guys handle that as a team, as players? Um, you're really the first person I get to talk to kind of about this topic. Yeah. Like, were you excited for that opportunity? Yeah, um, definitely super excited for opportunity. Like just to promote yourself, promote what you believe in, uh, promote your brand. And it's definitely practice for when you do go off and go pro. Like the first time you're, you're showing yourself off is not when you're a pro, it's definitely in college. So it's definitely a learning tool, but then also like um, it provides huge things like for, for the students, like um, brand deals and little things like that. And then you can also reach out to the community um, in other ways too. So, so it's like, it's, it's good. And it, I feel like it's good, but it could be bad if everyone's consumed with it, which I feel like my team, I mean, it was rarely spoke of. Like if you had something, like if you had an NIL situation and you had it, if not, then you didn't. So it wasn't really something that we consumed um, on at all. So. Do you think programs are going to have to start addressing it though? Right? Like, People are talking about it, and Coach Franklin's even mentioned, like, if we want to compete in recruiting and compete, you know, his, his 365 and all avenues, that whole thing, like, he's he says we can't just ignore these things. Yeah. We want to help support our athletes. Like, do you think programs need to start figuring out how to help you guys in yeah. these deals? I mean, you're 18 years old trying to negotiate some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, the main thing is just be educated on everything the NIO. Uh, brings as far as like I don't I'm not too much educated on it because it was only there my last year so I really didn't get to take full advantage of it but I, I definitely think there's like some underlying things that come with that um, when you are getting that type of money um, that type of brand deals and things like that so education is probably the, the main thing that uh, schools need to do um, but I mean it's college football like it's forever changing um, we're in 2022 the world is forever changing so uh, definitely staying up to speed with things that's going around the world and going around in college football is something that um, college football has done. But I feel like Coach Franklin has already done a good job of just um, explaining to us what the NIL is when it first came out. Um, and I think we have a department, too, that, that oversees it at the school as well. So, I mean, I feel like we're educated on it, and that's the biggest thing, just knowing what you're getting yourself into, not really just chasing the money, um, doing things with a purpose. Um, it will be all good. What's Coach Franklin like with you guys? I feel like everyone has a different kind of perception on who he is. Fans feel one way, media feels another way. How do the players feel? He seems like he's like one of the guys. Yeah, I mean, he's a like he's like family. Um, I mean, he preaches family a whole lot, so that's the main thing you'll definitely see from our program when you first um, come, or even just see a practice, see a a lift, see like a team meeting. Like team meetings are always fun and things like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, he knows when to be serious. He knows when to kind of buckle down and get the guys ready. So, I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, we owe him a lot. Like, I mean, he didn't have to take me coming into Penn State. So 
they like, I mean, Coach Franklin is a great guy for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, all right, I'm thinking about this Penn State team. We'll talk a little bit more about your NFL future, but going into the 2022 season, how close do you think this team is? Do you think it can take the next step uh, and, and really contend for hopefully a, a college football playoff spot? How close do you think this team is? Yeah, I mean, I think every year we're close. Um, besides the 2020 year, dealing with everything we dealt with. Like, I mean, every year we feel like we have a chance. We feel like we have a shot. Um, as long as the guys rally around each other and uh, the leaders step up and be leaders, I mean, sky's the limit for, for the Penn State team. So, I mean, I'm super excited. Now I get to kind of take the backseat and just watch. So, I mean, I, of course, I'll be reaching out to a lot of guys and um, just being there for them and giving them any advice because I am moving on and I'm, I'm seeing, like, different things and hearing from different coaches. So, I mean, I have a lot of knowledge to share. So, I mean, sky's the limit. Are the seven, eight of you that are going to the combine, do you guys got a group chat? Like, are you chatting it up, talking about training? Like, what's the relationship like with the guys who are going to enter the league with you? Yeah. I mean, I have, I'm training in Arizona. So I have Jahan out here, Brandon Smith, um, AK. So, I mean, I see them guys every day. Like, we train with each other. So, um, yeah, the relationship is always going to be there. And then the guys who are not training with us, I mean, we always talk. Like I said, like we're a brotherhood, we're a family. So, I mean, we do anything for each other. So I'm just excited to see all the guys go out there and just uh, compete and just do what we do. Like Penn State has always shown out at combines and um, at pro days and things like that. So we just want to continue that legacy and continue that mark and just uh, put our own stamp on that. So, Who's the most competitive in this group? Um, as far as like anything? You know, I, I was thinking about like when Michael was talking about him going out there and practicing, like he just wanted to like beat everyone no matter what yeah. position or any of that. Like, is there anyone like that in this year's group? Uh, I mean, I feel like we're all competitive, but I'll say like Brizzy. I mean, Brizzy's always trying to compete, um, whether it's shooting hoops, like Madden, like lifting weights, running. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like we're all competitive, but if I had to pick one, I'd say Brizzy. Yeah, I, that's awesome. Uh, I could see that 100% just that practice. That dude mm -hmm. was sprinting to get water. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, what do you want in an NFL team, right? It's, it's partly, you know, who wants you, but also what are you hoping for in, in whoever, whoever ends up drafting you, whoever ends up taking you? Oh, that's, I haven't even kind of thought about that because <laughs> you really have no say. So yeah. whatever team wants you, uh, thinks you, you best fit their program is going to come get you. So, I mean, that concept hasn't even run through my mind because I don't have no say. Like, it's not college to where I'm taking visits and I'm picking the school I want to go to. But uh, probably just, I mean, at the end of the day, like, just guys who fight for each other in the locker room and just want to ball. Uh, of course, you're going to have, have vets that kind of show you the way and teach you like I was doing. So now I'm kind of going back down on the totem pole. Um, I was I was up here. Now I'm going all the way back down here. So, I mean, I know how to kind of handle that. I played early as a freshman. So um, just seeking knowledge and um, I just want to go in there, put my head down and get ready to work. Like it's a job now. It's not college. So I'm definitely ready to uh, take a job and just keep a job as well. So you sound ready. I'm, I'm excited for you. I feel like you have the right mindset at the right time. Yeah. All right. Thank you to Tariq. Best of luck to them. I, I feel like this last week of training is kind of huge headed into the combine. Then there's all those health screenings and actual drills. Yeah. And I feel like the next two months leading into the draft are just flat out insane. Well, that's why they say so many guys get tired at this time of year is between their seasons and then the actual prep for the combine. They, by the time that they actually finish like a rookie season, they actually say that's the most downtime that they have because it's yeah. like, okay, now I get an actual off season where these guys getting ready for the combine, it's not the off season for them. No. This is the start Crunch. in a lot of ways. This is the beginning, the warm up. Yeah, and I feel like this is really, like we said, maybe it doesn't matter as much, but you really can separate yourself in this yes. time period. And even just the emotions and the the mental exhaustion of your training, you're prepping for things that aren't exactly football. So maybe mm -hmm. you're not you're not always jumping. You know, you're not always doing those things when you're training to play um, in the same way you are when you're training for the combine. And then you start the interview process, you start the medical evals, yeah. you start the, talking to agents and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, eight guys going to the combine. Hopefully, eight guys gone uh, by at least those couple days after the draft. If some mm. of them go undrafted, Jordan uh, Stout, big, <laughs> big best kicker in the draft. Big couple of weeks for those Penn State players. Also, big week for the Penn State campus. Just this past weekend, the 50th annual Thon Weekend raised a record-setting total of over 13 million dollars for crazy. those kids battling cancer at Penn State Children's Hospital in Hershey. One of those surprises, right? Uh, you've never been to a Thon, I, I don't think. I lived vicariously through you, though. Oh my god, it's like my fourth one. And <laughs> I mean, did, did I necessarily want to live vicariously through you with the amount of sleep and everything? No, not at all. But, but you did. I, but I got to see it. Yeah. yeah, you saw it. You saw it. Um, one of the best days is that Saturday night. All the athletes really get involved, mm. the ones that are still on campus, and they do a whole hour um, in the field house where they play with the kids, and they do all these activities. It's so fun. And then they do a big pep rally, which is just a joke. Like, they all do ridiculous dances. There was Shakira, who was a men's soccer player. There was... Um, oh, dressed as Shakira. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, Shakira was not there. Shakira. There's no jealous. way. You were jealous. No, actually, I'm pretty scarred by Shakira, to be honest with you. Not the actual... I, I tell this story a lot. Oh, no. Actually. So when I was in... Hopefully, I can make this quick. When I was in Spanish class in high school, oh. I want to say my sophomore year, we had a teacher for a month, and then we Shakira? had a substitute. No. We had a teacher for a month, and then she proceeded to leave, and we had a substitute. Turns out the substitute was there over the course of the year, or the rest of the semester, rather. And she had her heart set on, for some reason, teaching us all of the dance moves to Waka Waka by oh Shakira. Yes. But the caveat here is that she would get up alone in front of the class. Keep in mind, this is before, like, and you had to have that, like, the actual speaker where you're pressing play. Oh, no, she would no. bring it in the class. Oh, no, no. She wouldn't ask anybody to get up. She would just dance and, like, longingly gaze and smile as she's doing the moves to Waka Waka basically twice a week over the course of the entire semester. And you. And we would just watch her in amazement, being like, what is going on That's right confidence. now? Are we in the twilight zone? I don't want to say. She was so heart set. She was like, if these kids leave with one thing, it will be the dance moves to Waka Waka by Shakira. And none of us ever knew it because nobody ever got up to try it. Well, and well, I, th I still think about her to this day because I'm like, does she take like, you know, pride and does she sleep at night knowing I helped them get those dance moves when in reality we all know we don't know a single thing. You hear that, teachers? You can be thought of 10 years after something happens. If you're really weird. Yes. It's stuck with <laughs> well, you. It, really, it truly does. Remember, uh, the, the hips don't lie. So, I mean. I wish the hips lie. I wish, <laughs> I wish we learned that song. But Waka Waka, great tune, Shakira. But I can't hear it without thinking of this woman just I'm so happy. lights are on, but nobody's home, looking out at us as she's doing all of these moves. Okay, well, I'll move on for you. There was also a high school musical rendition. All of that. I like that a lot more. We're, Less we're scarred by up. that. Less you scarred by that. You know what else there was? What song was it? Um, Breaking Free. Oh, Hello. Man, it's got to be every day. It's a classic. I, every day is better, though. Breaking Free is Imagine too si no. mainstream. Imagine 16,000 yep, people in the Bryce Jordan Center all singing Breaking Free. Oh, it sounds nice. With the women's tennis team. It was a beautiful moment. I bet. I'm not taking away. I'm just saying there's a better song. <laughs> Which one? There's always a chance to you be better. Every us? day is what I'm saying. That's the song. You remember High School Musical 2, Sharpay's Fabulous? That's yeah, that's a good one. That's I'm going to associate with you from now on. That one would have been great, too. You're welcome. High School Musical 2, better than the first one. Okay, not only were the, the Shakira and High School Musical, there was Super Bowl champion Nick Scott. That's also not too bad, either. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Honest, also, back so soon. Steelers, that's pretty cool. He flew a red eye, apparently, from Los Angeles across. To basically stay up longer. <laughs> exactly. And he's... he. God love him. That, this man is the nicest man in the world. He signed autographs. He took pictures. He yeah. was all over it. He didn't leave. As soon as he was done with the stage, he hung out with the kids. It was great. Um, that's on our website. Also, Pat Fryermuth was in town doing a little mm. We Are chant. Um, didn't get to see him a whole lot because 16,000 people. I kind of lost a lot of people Makes in that sense. crowd. Um, but he did great. In that athlete hour, though, this is this was pretty cool. Shed a little tear. Oh. For our, our mid-state players, early enrollees at Penn State, yeah. playing with the kids uh, in in the, the field house, Bo Prabula in the blue and white. I love how you reflect on them as Number if they're nine. like like they're babies, like as if they're your they're like your people. kids going to no, you really but like it is like seeing that like sending them off to college and then, and then like. them getting out of the minivan and going all right. And give them the hug and then saying, here's the keys. I can't imagine what it I'm really going to feel like when I send a child to yeah, college. Yeah, that'll be a whole different. 
Oh my gosh, if I feel this way about our If you're our crying players, for Bo, I can only imagine. I yes. wasn't crying for him, but I was, um, it was metaphorically. It was, it was one of those like really emotional things where I was like, wow, kid, you made it. Yeah. He had a couple of dreams. It was put Central York on the map and make it to Penn State. And look at that. He did both. It's pr- yeah. Proud of you. I agree. Nick Singleton in number 10. He looks good. He looks like he's already putting on some muscle, which is <laughs> it's a scary. Scary thought. <laughs> scary. He's putting um, on some muscle. He's been there for like, he's been there for like <laughs> a have, week. Didn't have enough, clearly. Yeah. Um, and then nuts. we got a chance. We don't get to talk to the freshmen, so we'll we'll talk to those guys in, in about a year. But in uh, twelve months, see, kid. Enjoy. We'll see you when you're you know um, older and wiser and a yeah. sophomore. But we did talk to sophomore linebacker Curtis Jacobs, who's who's one of those guys that a lot of people are saying with eight guys going you know in the NFL mm-hmm. draft, he could have a huge role next year. And he likes what this Penn State team looks like in 2022. All right, so if you want to know more about all these Penn State guys, about the guys going to the NFL, about um, even guys like Nick Scott, Grant Haley, just both Super Bowl champions the last couple weeks, episode 38 with Terry Smith, kind of like a secret insider of of the Penn State coaches. He's the associate head coach. Secret insider. No one gives him enough love. Yeah. It's the first time no, I've just talked to him. just makes it sound him. like he has company secrets. So <laughs> when you put it as a secret insider. No, he knows the most. And he's like yeah. he's like the player's guy. Like, they mm. all love him. Mm. You know, they're, they're super tight. That's how you become the insider. Yeah, you, when the players actually like you. Just the players, yeah. It's true. It's goals. It is. It's goals. Yeah, so that's episode 38. You got to listen to that one. A lot more coming up headed into the draft. The draft is April 28th. Still a lot more time to talk about things and all of the ever-changing things and all of these predictions that will likely be a lot different in a month. Yeah, everything changes after pro oh, day. Yeah, that's cool. why we're doing the pre-picks, the see pre-combine. How, see how right and wrong we will be. That way, well, that also so that way we have the chance for like the day before being like looking at the mocks and then saying, actually, you know what? I was wrong a month and a half ago. <laughs> I like him there. <laughs> and then that's what happens. Let's hope it's Just like cheating. <laughs> let's hope it's guys like like Jesse Lucetta, Tariq Castro Fields, like moving up, you know? Yes. Let's hope we're wrong because yeah. everyone's doing better. Yeah, no, that's what I was getting at. Okay, good. Not the, not the opposite. Not people are falling Everyone's back. We're not giving down. them the jinx. Not the jinx. No, we are a positive podcast. You know that. Uh, this has been episode 40. It's amazing you're keeping track. I got it because <laughs> otherwise, you know, I don't I don't know what I do every week. It's episode 40 of the podcast. I would say let's put them in Roman numerals, but as we know. We're not so good at that. <laughs> not, that one's not highly suggested. Yeah.